0: So it looks like we will be getting another big-time coronavirus relief bill coming out of Congress. Negotiations have begun. Now, there are a lot of areas, obviously, that we could see addressed. That federal unemployment enhancement that's helped so many people, that extra 600 bucks a week, that is set to expire. Could we see more direct payments right to people? Will states get the help they need to try to make their budgets work? We wanted to get a feel for what this bill is going to look like when everything is said and done, so we reached out to Scott Deakel, Associate Professor and Chair of the Department of Business and Economics at sinus College. We always learn a lot when we have Scott on. This is a really interesting conversation. Give a listen. So as we are speaking here, as July is starting to wind down, we're gonna get another big number relief stimulus bill, however you want to frame it. Um at this point, it seems like Republicans are talking in the area of a trillion. Of course, we've already had the Democrats kind of in the clubhouse, three, three and a half trillion. When it's all said and done, do you think we basically split the, the number and we'll end up after negotiations somewhere around two million? What do you think? Or two trillion rather? What do you think?
1: Yeah, Well, I'm not a political scientist, but uh, I think that's a reasonable guess that it'd be somewhere in that neighborhood. Um, I think. Uh, the Republicans are under more pressure now because of the surge in cases in the South and the West. Uh, that's forced a lot of businesses to close as a result of new uh, shutdown orders. And so I think that provides greater motivation to provide a bigger stimulus package.
0: As someone who studies these types of things that we've talked about previous bills, what are some of the, the big issues that absolutely, in your opinion, have to be addressed and you think will be addressed?
1: right well i I think uh, again, there's going to be a need for direct payments to households, like was done in the first package, and right now, it looks like there's pretty broad consensus on that. There's some disagreement over the details of exactly who should get paid, but everyone agrees that you know people who filed tax returns uh, that have been you know in the workforce uh, should get a payment from the government, so I fully expect to see that again. And it looks like it would at least be in the range that was passed out last time, where uh, a married couple get about $1,200 as long as their income together was below $150,000. And that can increase depending on how many children you have. There's some disagreement over whether, say, college students should get a payment. Um, so that remains to be worked out. But I would definitely expect that. Uh, the president's voice support for it. Senate Republicans are voicing support for it for the most part, and the House Democrats have already put it in the stimulus bill they passed uh, back in May. So I expect that. Another program that looks really likely to survive and continue is one we've talked about before as well, Matt. Uh, That's the Payroll Protection Program, where uh, the government made uh, loans to businesses, and those loans became grants as long as the businesses used most of the money to keep employees on the payroll. So there's evidence that that saved jobs. Uh, you could debate whether it was worth the cost um, or the best way to save those jobs, but it definitely seems to be effective. And uh, the Treasury Sec- Secretary, Steve Mnuchin, has signaled his support for continuing it. And in fact, he uh, wants to make it easier uh, for businesses to qualify for that program. So I, I don't see a lot of opposition to that continuing. So I think there's a good chance we'll see payroll protection program continue for a while. The areas that look like are going to have the big conflicts uh, are unemployment insurance and also aid to states. And I can actually think of a third one, too, which is liability protections for businesses. And I think those three areas are probably where we're going to see like uh, what we call the horse trading taking place. Um, with regards to the unemployment insurance payments, uh, Democrats would love to see the $600 federal top-off on state unemployment insurance payments continue. Uh, the Republicans are really opposed to that, though, because uh, they see about two thirds of workers who are collecting unemployment insurance making more on unemployment than they did when they had a job, and so that creates a real uh, disincentive to go back to work. The counter argument there is that uh, it gives uh, workers who are uncomfortable, feel unsafe going back to work, or can't get child care, uh, the buffer they need to get through this tough time. So that's going to be an area of of contention. The aid to states is another big one. A lot of uh, Democrats say that uh, state governments need help. They haven't gotten the tax revenues that they normally get for obvious reasons. When restaurants are closed, when bars are closed, when all kinds of businesses can't open, they're not collecting sales tax, employees aren't paying income tax. And so state budgets are going to take a big hit. Those state budgets trickle down to the local level, too they fund our schools. So we're looking at a situation where state governments are going to need to close these budget gaps. They're going to have to do it with tax increases and cutting programs. And it's going to mean programs that a lot of us rely on, like our local schools. You may see uh, layoffs as a result at local schools. You may see programs cut. Uh, You may see facilities uh, defer their maintenance and uh, defer improvements. So that 's a case for sending some federal aid to states which can 't borrow as easily as the federal government they can 't run deficits the same way as the federal government, but there's a real resistance to that. Uh, the Republicans are pointing to problems with state uh, pensions for their employees. Uh, a lot of uh, northern midwestern states have very big liabilities uh, a lot of those liabilities are to unionized employees, and a lot of Republicans have objections to money. Uh, bailing out, as they say, states that uh, have these liabilities. So that's going to be a big issue that's going to need to be resolved. I don't have a crystal ball on that one, but uh, uh, it's going to have to be worked out one way or another. Um, I would say for the average consumer, keep an eye on it. Um, if you see a federal stimulus bill passed that uh, is sending you a $1,200 check but has no aid for states, uh, I recommend setting aside some of that check. To to pay for a state tax increase coming over the next year or so. So that's one. And then the other big issue is liability protection. A business that stays open uh, during COVID or reopens during COVID uh, runs the risk of having employees and customers contract COVID. And if it can be shown that the business was negligent, then they would be liable for some damages. And Republicans would like to Ease the minds of business managers and business owners by uh, adding and strengthening liability protections for businesses in that case. And the economic argument is is really simple and and valid. Um, A a business might be reluctant to open if it fears being sued as a result of customers or employees getting COVID. But Democrats are concerned about worker safety. They're concerned about uh, customer safety. They're concerned about workers being uh, pressured to come back to jobs that don't seem safe. Uh, we definitely know of uh, businesses and uh, industries where uh, workers have worked through the vi- uh, virus crisis and uh, they've paid some price. Uh, they've paid the price. Uh, think about the meatpacking plants that had uh, COVID outbreaks uh, in the last few months. So I, I see those as the big areas of debate and the big things that need to be worked out. And uh, hopefully those are the areas where uh, our lawmakers are able to reach compromises, too. So a new package can be passed and adopted before the end of the month.
0: I would like to drill down a little bit on that oh. that federal unemployment. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the I think you called it a top-off, which is a great way to put it, an extra $600 a week. I really yeah. can't imagine something isn't done because that, I think, has really been critical to – the bottom not completely falling out of a lot of things. If what are some ways? If it's not maybe a continuation of what we've had here, what else could we possibly see to, to to offer help? Do you think it might just be less money per week, or do you think there's a another way to figure it out that might make everyone a little more comfortable with putting that forward?
1: Well, I, I was very pleased to see that uh, the Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said today that. The Republicans in the Senate are planning to propose a percentage of workers' pay uh, before uh, they lost their jobs as their compensation. And the number I saw was 70%. So so rather than uh, just relying on state uh, unemployment insurance, which is often less than 50% of your former pay, this program would use federal dollars to bring uh, everyone up to 70% of their pay before the crisis hit. So I was really happy to see that because it eliminates the problem of workers making more than they did before they went on unemployment. And then it puts them in a position where I, I think uh, there's more of a, a thoughtful decision required. Uh, make 70 percent of your pay and go back to work where there might be a risk. Or if you think it's too risky, you know, you can stay home and, and still make out all right. You know, the bottom shouldn't fall out on your family. So I, I'm, I'm happy to see that proposal, and I, I would hope the Democrats uh, can find some common ground with the Republicans on that, because I, I, I think while I'm compassionate for the people who have uh, lost their jobs, faced tough decisions about going back, I think we need some level of incentive for people to return to work. Otherwise, the economy as a whole just isn't going to really come, come anywhere close to its former level. And everyone's going to suffer as a result of that.
0: One idea I heard a lot talked about, but it seems like from what I understand, it's been shelved for now, was the idea of a payroll tax cut. Kind of give us a primer mm-hmm. of, of how that would work and, and what is the argument for putting that forward in this particular time? Because as a mm-hmm. a, a novice to this type of stuff, I think Mm -hmm. our main problem is people aren't on payroll, so I don't know how that would help them.
1: Right. So the payroll tax cut involves cutting the tax people pay for Social Security and Medicare. Uh, Everyone with a job in this country pays income tax, which is uh, set at a different percentage that increases the more money you make. And everyone also pays a payroll tax that covers Social Security and Medicare, and it's a flat rate for everyone. It's... Happened in the past, it happened uh, during the Great Recession that uh, the government has temporarily cut the payroll tax by the state two percentage points. And it's an appealing uh, program because of a couple of things. One is that it's actually better for the poor who have jobs, people with low wage jobs, because if uh, uh, someone making minimum wage is paying, s- uh, say, 7.5%. Um, their income uh, on the payroll tax, they get proportionally more money back than someone making $100,000 from a payroll tax cut. So you can argue that it it benefits low-wage workers better. The problem with that, though, is it doesn't benefit non-workers. It won't benefit all of the folks who are on on unemployment or who just haven't been able to find a job. I think that's ultimately why uh, this proposal got pulled off the table, is we're in a situation now where over the course of this pandemic, literally 30% of the country, uh, this country's workforce force at some point in time has been unemployed, which is just staggering and something almost uh, none of us have lived through. So given that so many people have been out of jobs, so many people are likely to be out of jobs through the end of the year, it just didn't make sense to try to s- give people relief through this measure.
0: Going back to the unemployment that is set to run out. I actually think we've kind of in a lot of discussions framed it as at the end of July, but I think actually Mm -hmm. this coming weekend is the last payment. And then you're kind of off the cliff there. Mm -hmm. Are you kind of surprised we've pushed this? And I know this is how politics in the modern age works is we, we can't do anything until (laughs) we're really up against it. But yeah, even in best-case scenario now, there's going to be a gap there, even if it's just one one week where people aren't going to get anything, I would think, by the time things are put in motion. Are you surprised right. we kind of played it up to the edge like this?
1: Uh, not at all. I mean, we've gone through several government shutdowns in the last decade, uh, both examples of when a divided uh, Congress and president uh, haven't been able to reach an agreement that definitely would have been in, in their interest to reach by a certain deadline. I think the political gains to the posturing have gotten so large that uh, for the leaders, it just makes uh, much more sense to put these things off to the last minute. I mean, and and one, one reason for putting it off that I could put in their favor is it, it did help, I think, to see what progress or, I guess, in reality, regress the virus made uh, over the last month. And I think... If the virus had gone more into remission over the last month, we'd probably be having a different debate over the uh, relief package, and the appropriate relief package would probably be different, too. So by waiting, I I can say that there is that benefit, that there's a better sense of what we actually need. But at the same time, I I think it reflects poorly on our system that we won't get this package passed by July 30th.
0: That being said, could you see something, a... A certain measure where, let's say, the un- that unemployment, whatever they decide, whether it's just to mm-hmm. push the 600 forward or do that percentage, could you see something like that acted before maybe an entire bill to prevent uh, a lapse there? Or do you think uh, yeah. they're going to want to do this all in, in yeah. one lump?
1: Yeah, I've seen a few leaders mention that things could be divided up. And uh, I would actually expect uh, that to happen most with the direct payments. So perhaps the leaders will be able to agree on a direct payment package that that they could pass by the end of the week. And uh, that would still be late and getting distributed. It would probably be a week or two into August before that shows up into people's bank accounts. That issue is less contentious, so I can see it getting agreed upon sooner, whereas the unemployment issue might have to wait longer because it's more contentious and uh, might get hashed out with some of these other contentious issues.
0: I'd like, we've talked a lot about what we expect, what we see, what's being talked about. As someone who studies these, who's looked into these, who knows about these, Mm -hmm. is there anything we haven't talked about that you would like to see discussed, even if it's not even on the table for this one? Something you think that is going to be needed, or if not immediately now, down the road?
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the word that comes to mind is productivity. I think every economist agrees that in the long run, the productivity of workers is what drives economic growth. So if a single worker can produce $1,000 worth of goods and service an hour, the economy as a whole is going to be wealthier than if they can only produce $500 of goods and service uh, in an hour. We need something to address the productivity losses that we're seeing as a result of this outbreak. Um, we're obviously losing productivity in the extra time and expense uh, involved in social distancing, involved in sanitizing, and trying to reduce the spread of COVID as time's going on. But we're going to eventually beat the virus. We're going to have a vaccine. We're going to go back to work. And I see potential for longer-lasting hits to productivity. Supply chain is a term we hear bounced around a lot now. As a result of this crisis, a lot of companies are reevaluating these super efficient, super lean supply chains they develop developed that rely on outsourced goods and services uh, being made in other countries. When we lost the ability to import goods from China uh, way back in February, when China was in the worst part of its COVID outbreak, that caused a lot of businesses to say, "Hmm, maybe we need to come up with a supply chain based in the U.S., or maybe we need a supply chain that is more robust, where we get supply from multiple origins. And that's going to mean more productivity, because businesses are going to, rather than have the cheapest, most efficient source of their goods and services, they're going to be relying on multiple sources. That's going to require more management, more setup, greater costs, and it's going to make the economy less productive. Something needs to be done to address that. Maybe it doesn't make sense to go back to the type of supply chains we had before. Maybe it makes sense to rethink our trade arrangements with a lot of the world. But we could do some things within the country to make ourselves more productive. The word that comes to mind there is infrastructure. If we can find uh, some stimulus money uh, to improve the country's infrastructure, can we improve our roads? Can we give internet access to more people and more places? Can we do things to improve rail connections, both for freight and travel? That is something we can spend domestically that I think we can agree on politically that would boost our productivity and hopefully offset some of these longer term losses that I see.
0: And just to wrap things up, there is no chance nothing gets passed, right? There is no chance that that negotiations would lead to nothing. I mean, I personally, I can't see a a scenario where that happens, but – Having followed this stuff enough, I guess you always kind of have to keep the window open, but uh, we'll see something right
1: Well, you know Matt uh, you might remember the debt ceiling crisis where we, we had an absolute deadline to uh, raise the debt ceiling or the treasury wouldn't legally be allowed to pay uh, bondholders back, and we, we went past the deadline on that, so if uh divided Congress and presidency were able to do that and That wasn't very long ago. Um, I I can't say there's no chance uh, of of no agreement. Uh, But I I am optimistic that at least with the direct payments, uh, we'll get something fairly soon. And I I also think there's a good chance that we'll have a comprehensive package in early August. I don't expect the comprehensive package before the end of July, but I I think there's a good chance the comprehensive package comes in early to mid-August. The uh, president, I think, really wants it. The Republicans tend to follow the president, and I think the Democrats really want something as well. So I think we'll see something, but uh, I could definitely see a couple of weeks of uh, contentious debate uh, before that happens.
0: And that being said, looking at it, let's say this is, and I'll just put a number to it, a $2.5 trillion bill. Do you Mm -hmm. think this is the last big ticket we will see, or do you think there's a good chance a couple months if we're still kind of muddling through with the virus that uh, we could see another another one come, come to the forefront?
1: Uh, I, th- I think after the election, we'll see another one. The last $2 trillion bill took us about four months or so. Four months from now, we'll be at the end of November. There will be uh, possibly late duck Congress, possibly lame duck president. Whatever scenario, I see something coming up because the politics shouldn't be too much in the way. It'll be just after an election, uh, it's usually easier to get things done just after an election. And uh, by that time, I think a lot of the programs will have run out again and uh, something will be needed. Uh, the most optimistic scenarios for a vaccine say like January widespread distribution. So, you know, I, I think we're going to have to be dealing with the relief issue through the early part of next year.
0: And I, my final question, and I ask this as someone who thinks we need big government in this moment we need a lot of spending to help people and to keep things afloat mm-hmm. but what concerns do you have of all this money we're printing all this money we're mm-hmm. spending we were already had mm-hmm. serious debt problems and we're exacerbating that like i said in my opinion for a good reason but this mm-hmm. bill's going to come due one way or another down the road right
1: right down down the road we have to pay it either through higher taxes or higher inflation or some combination of the two so You know, I I agree with there's the need for relief now, and sadly, it's very expensive, but we'll be paying the price for this uh, for at least a decade uh, in the form of higher taxes or higher inflation, uh, or if the taxes aren't raised, severe cuts in government programs.